Welcome to DIY for Business. It's Russ and Greg with you today. We're getting some legal advice. Yeah, it, that's that's what's going on today, and, it, and it's not because of any crime that I've, well, I've committed gosh, this time. I was sweating there for a second, Russ. I was like, did, "What? Did we get in trouble, yeah. or did you get no, in trouble?" No, I know I'm I'm okay, but you scared me for a second. No, they didn't quite catch. They didn't quite catch me yet. Uh, <laughs> He's on the lamb. He's on the lamb. Yeah, I, I, uh, exactly. Well, I think it's about time we do this uh, because. This was also, you know, running a business for however long I did, there was always questions. And I remember, I got to start out with this little quick story. I took a lawyer to a baseball game. He invited me to a baseball game, actually. And we're sitting there and I ask some questions and I see him look at his watch. And then he answers the question. I see him look at his watch again. He billed me for that time at the baseball game. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, I got to be careful. So I think if we can give people some sort of legal advice today, we're, we're saving them well, a bunch of money. Before I start, I'm looking at my watch right now. We're at, okay, okay, let's, let's start. <laughs> well, luckily, they're not getting my legal, my legal advice. They're getting it from a true attorney. Exactly. We have uh, right. John Babione mm-hmm. here with us from Ferber Law. John, welcome to the show. Thanks, thanks, Greg. Appreciate it. Thank you, Russ. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to this. Yeah, absolutely. I've I've known you for a while, and you're a partner at the firm, and and you deal mostly with businesses. So I thought you'd be the perfect guest because we have so many questions, and uh, like Russ is saying, help our small to medium sized business owners kind of navigate through all the legal issues that are out there. We're going to do it all in 30 minutes, John. So. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me start running the clock, though. <laughs> Before we get started, just kind of tell everybody a little bit about yourself and, and what your firm does. Sure. So, yes, like, like you said, I'm a partner at Ferber Law. We are primarily a business and employment law firm. We do also other areas of the law, such as construction defect um, and some other business transactional and some real estate issues. Most of my clients are, you know, small and, and, and mid-sized businesses. We have a few larger sized businesses as well. But I'd say about, you know, 60% of my practice is civil litigation in that business or employment law arena. And then the other 40% is advice and counsel. So when I'm saying advice and counsel, we're talking about employee handbooks. Um, how do I hire a, uh, an employee? How do I terminate an employee? What kind of policies do I have to have in place for those employees. Um, so it's 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 a lot of litigation, but you know, I have clients that will call me up all the time and say, "Hey, I have this issue. How do you how do you handle it? Let me, you know, what, what's your best advice?" So that's kind of the, the general overview of what we uh, my firm does. Well, it's it's so funny when when people ask me about you know should I should I get an attorney? Should I have somebody? you know, on the, on the ready, you know, in case something happens. And what I always tell me is it's kind of funny. It's like you, you need an attorney if you get sued, but you really need an attorney so you don't get sued. <laughs> Let's do the stuff <laughs> and, and get you prepared so you don't yeah. land up in a lawsuit and in court. And mm-hmm. I know a lot of the work that you do with businesses is kind of like, like you said, the employee handbook and putting policies and compliance uh, issues uh, in place so that, yeah, they don't get sued, right? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's the first line of defense is, hey, let's, if you're trying to start up a business, let's make sure you have the proper entity. And by proper business entity, I'm talking about you have a corporation, should we do an LLC? Should we do a partnership? And then once you got that formed, it's, all right, now how do I hire somebody? How many employees do you want? And getting handbooks and policies in place 
Um, that's that's your first line of defense because if you have that correct, and then not only that, if you train your employees on those policies, um, it's you know one thing to you know the law requires your, you you to train your employees and do the sexual harassment training, for example. Um, you know that helps with uh, employees knowing what they can and can't do or what they shouldn't do. Um, so here's the policies. You learn the policies and you constantly train the employees so that you don't get sued. Your business does not get sued. Um, or in the you know, employment arena, there are wage and hour laws that allow um, certain plaintiffs to be able to sue you individually. So you could be a business owner, even set up a corporation, for example. That doesn't protect you um, all the time from certain wage and hour claims. And by wage and hour, I'm talking over failure to pay overtime, missed meals and rest breaks, uh, things, of the, things of that nature. So if you have those policies in place and you have the training with your employees ready to go, that helps prevent you from getting into a lawsuit. Because, uh, you know, you get into a lawsuit, you're talking tens of thousands of dollars, you know, perhaps a month just in defense costs alone. So you don't you don't want to get to that into that that litigation level. That's it's going to harm your business and take you away from you know making your business do better. I think having somebody that you can reach out to and talk to. Okay, yeah, I gave that kind of you know crazy story in the beginning there, but to have somebody that I could actually reach out to and talk to and ask questions, the peace of mind was always so worth anything I was paying for a lawyer because I knew really I'm paying it then, but I'm saving so much later in, in potential, you know, risk of just not only having to pay out something, but also just the time involved with dealing with that. I mean, these things take forever. I know. To it, deal and, with. And, and with your story, you illustrated at the beginning, you get that, uh, hey, the, the clock's starting. I don't want to pay a few hundred dollars to talk to me or somebody like me. Um, that <laughs> certainly is a lot better than paying tens of thousands of dollars in litigation. Oh, totally. Yeah, totally. Well, plus he, he bought me a hot dog that day. So, you know, all, I was, all, all say, was he good. Better, he better have paid for the tickets <laughs> if he's going to put you on the clock. Oh, he did actually. You know, he, he was a great guy. I tell that story. I actually joke with, with him on that story too. So and we still keep in touch. I mean, that's the thing though, like to have somebody that you can just go to and, and, and talk with. And even, you know, even if, yeah, they, okay. Yeah. They're going to look at the clock. Well, of course they're going to get paid the, the, you know, you as a business owner get paid for what you do. So I think getting, you know, like. Having that out there is is important. Okay, so here here's the the big question, and I you know like Greg said, or I think you said, we, we only have thirty minutes here to to talk about this, so we got to get right into this kind of big issue right now. I think with the work from home problems that could come up. So you're talking about you know lunch breaks, things like that. Like okay, if somebody's a work from home, how do we track that type of thing? How do we track overtime? How do we? There's so many issues that could pop up from working from home. Yeah, so I, that's that's the thing with remote work. You want to try to replicate as much as you can as a business owner, as you know, somebody was working in their private office on site. So when I'm talking about that, you got to make sure that they have all of the equipment in order to perform their essential job functions. So if they have to have a computer, you know, when they're typically at, at the office, they're going to need, you know, a laptop or perhaps a printer. And guess who has to pay for that? It's, it's the business owners. You have to either provide the necessary equipment or you have to reimburse the employee for that equipment. Um, so those offsite problems have all the time. So that's my number one is like, hey, make sure you are providing the equipment and having reimbursement forms for any necessary expenditures 
in order for the employee to fill out that document, perhaps, or maybe they could do it electronically and then submit it so that you could, as a business owner, review those documents and make sure that you're re reimbursing properly. On, you know, the timekeeping, again, going back to the handbook, you know, when you hire an employee, they should get a handbook. There should be a timekeeping policy in there. It says, hey, no working off the clock. So, you know, if you're scheduled to work from eight o'clock to five o'clock, then you expect to log in on the laptop eight o'clock, either do a physical timesheet like you normally would or whatever practice the company has, or maybe you have an electronic timekeeping system now. And so if you start at eight o'clock, you know, type in at eight o'clock, make sure you get your, at least your 30 minute uninterrupted meal break. It has to be uh, occur before the end of the fifth hour. So if it's, you start at eight o'clock, make sure it's done by 12, 1230. So you're really, you're really clocking in, clocking out, just like you were at the office. So there should be some kind of timesheet that uh, the business owner can review at the end of each day or at the end of each uh, work week to make sure you're working your hours and that you're not working overtime. Or if you are working overtime, that the employees properly compensated for that overtime. Or if they miss a miss, you know, if they miss a meal break, um, that they get it was called a one-hour premium pay for not getting their full thirty minutes of an uninterrupted meal break. So those are some of the items that we are looking about with remote working. So what I'm curious about, John, is you know with uh, you know working from home, so many people tell me, "Gosh, my my employees are actually more productive now because they they're not really limited to just eight to five. They can work you know at nine or ten after the kids go to sleep and." You know, all, all, all these different scenarios where it gives them a little added flexibility in what hours they're working. But then we're also talking about the challenge of kind of tracking their hours. Like, how do you balance all that as an employee? Because as an employer, because, you know, you, you love the productivity of people are, are better at 10 o'clock at night after the kids go to sleep. More power to them. I love them working at 10 o'clock. But then you are dealing with, you know, are they working too many hours or, you know, tracking it all? Yeah, sure. And, and just to back up too, I should I should define what an exempt versus a non-exempt employee is. So if you're an exempt employee, that's one that's getting a salary, at least two times the, the minimum wage on a work week. And um, they actually have a, you know, a, a, either a license with the state of California or certification of the state of California, that's professional exemption. There's an administrative exemption um, and there's a managerial one. And so those types of employees, you know, you're talking about your attorneys, your accountants, your business owners, your executives, your officers, they're exempt. So you could have them work 12, 14, 16 hour days, one in the morning, two in the morning. And that's not going to matter because they don't technically have to track their time. Now, a non-exempt employee, you know, one that's, you know, should be paid by the hour. Um, yeah, you, you could give them the flexible schedule. S if we're talking about overtime, as long as they don't exceed eight hours in a workday. And your workday should be defined your policies or handbook then you know maybe that as a business owner that's what you want to do have them work from you know uh, 10 a.m to two o'clock and then have to go pick up their kids or whatnot and then come back and work a, a different shift that's fine there's something called split shift pay might also come up as as well um so i would try to you know as much as possible keep to their normal shift but if you want to be flexible that, that's okay but, you know, make sure that they're still tracking their time and they're not exceeding eight hours in a workday. The reason why we kind of jumped into, you know, how the roles are more remote now is because of the pandemic. Right. I mean, that that kind of was the precursor to uh, all of the, you know, a lot of the workforce working from home now. 
And with COVID, I, I mean, more regulations started popping up, right? And then, you know, employers had to be, you know, more conscious of, you know, the COVID regulations. And then what I'm curious about is, you know, kind of what new came about and where do you see this going moving forward? With the, yeah, with going back to the March 13th, you had the emergency orders from all the counties essentially uh, doing the stay at home, except for those um, essential businesses. Uh, those were pretty broad at the time, I, you know, as far as the categories of who could continue to work and who had to stay at home. Uh, so those have certainly changed over time. Uh, the Cal OSHA, the California Occupational Safety and Health Administrative Administration, they issued emergency, what's called emergency temporary standards. And that set forth what you have to have as far as a business owner. So the, the recent one was, well, the main one was June 17th, and then it was revised again August 13th. But Cal OSHA requires what's called a COVID prevention plan, CPP for short, short. And so every employer has to have this prevention plan that says, okay, this is what we're doing as a business uh, to help ensure that we're uh, protecting employees, you know, providing certain cleaning uh, solutions, um, providing masks. That's another thing businesses have to do. They have to provide masks now whether you're vaccinated or not vaccinated. Um, if you're going to be around somebody within six feet over a cumulative 15 minutes within a 24 hour period. So this CPP, this COVID prevention plan sets forth what the business is doing to try to protect its, its employees and its clients and customers that come in and have as uh, a safe workplace as possible. So we're seeing a lot of changes. I'm sure you've seen it on the news. Um, sometimes weekly, daily changes to what's required in the CPP or, um, you know, some of the local county health orders. Um, you, you know, San Francisco now, you have to, for restaurants and bars, for example, you have to show um, proof that you've been vaccinated just to get inside some of those establishments. So we're seeing an ever change right now, and, and we're in the summertime. Um, so I think as it, it gets colder, I, I don't see this at this point in time, um, you know, these these kind of local orders or requirements for businesses to strictly comply with, with uh, the COVID, COVID protocols. I, I don't see it going away anytime soon, unfortunately. It seems like that's the going to be the new normal, really, like all, all of this. Uh, I'm going to combine those two questions here and say, what do business owners, if, if people are now remote workers, they're staying home, is there any like COVID protocols that need to be in the home. Well, it's, yeah, it's interesting you brought that up. I mean, this summertime, everybody's, you know, a lot of businesses were, you know, June, I think June 15th, when the governor opened up most of the state again, a lot of employees were coming back to work. And so then that's when Kalos was like, all right, June 17th, we got the COVID prevention plan. You need to post it along with your other employment law posters. When I'm talking about the other employment law posters, I'm talking about, you know, your three and one where you see the federal poster and your break room and yeah. along with the state mm -hmm. poster, um, you have to put, you know, post your CPP and you're supposed to maybe email it so that those workers that are working remotely, they still get the prevention plan. Of course, usually they're by themselves. It won't really apply to them as much. Um, you know, they're working alone, working remote by themselves, but the ones that you do have in the office, you do have to have that, CPP up. So that's the one I'd say the most important thing if you're a small business owner, other than making sure you have policies in place is to certainly have that CPP in place because it is required. I got a couple other dozen dozen questions here. So we'll uh, we'll take a short break here and we'll get back to those questions right after this. 
You know, a great way to promote your business is a podcast. <laughs> yeah. So you're listening to a podcast and we're telling you to make a podcast. How cool is that? Yeah. Well, okay. Where do we do it? We do it on Anchor. And why? Well, because they do all the work for you. They distribute the podcast. You can edit your podcast right on your phone or within your computer. Uh, everything you need for a podcast is right there in one place. Just go and download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And we're back. Uh, we're here today with uh, John Babione, partner at Ferber Law. And we're kind of going over just a number of, of questions that have come up over uh, over this year, year and a half with uh, the pandemic and, and just things. And, and Russ, I, I know you had a question that you uh, wanted to ask John. Yeah, well, it, it gets right into this whole, you know, vaccination debate in a way without getting political on any of this. I guess my question is like, should we or could we be able to force employees to actually get a vaccine. Yeah, that through, the, through the pandemic, that's been on an ongoing issue. And, and initially from us, you know, we've been giving conservative advice is, hey, let's just follow the COVID prevention plan and encourage vaccinations, but not necessarily require it. We don't want to infringe on, you know, potential privacy issues because, you know, this is all this is all new to us, this, this pandemic. We don't know how the court will provide guidance on what was lawful and what's unlawful. But you've seen on the news, you're getting, um, you know, cities and counties to start mandating vaccinations, such as the um, healthcare industry. I think they all have to be mandated or, or at least vaccinated by September 30th. So, I, you know, a lot of my clients are saying, hey, can we do that for, for our own businesses? And so far, the answer is more and more, you can, you can uh, mandate vaccinations. Um, you would have to have a written policy in place. And it's still subject to, you know, if the employee uh, potentially has a disability and or a religious accommodation. So you can mandate the vaccinations unless they have a qualifying disability or truly held religious um, issue that prevents them from getting the vaccination. Uh, so those are so those are the main things is saying, yeah, we can do that now. The Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, FDA approved the Pfizer vaccine. Yeah, I saw that uh, the Pentagon's actually making it mandatory with the Pfizer getting uh, full approval. Oh yeah, like the, in the you know the military arenas. I mean, yep. could you just imagine if you know you had an outbreak of COVID nineteen within your unit or you're on a submarine or ship? It's, you know, oh yeah, jeez. Oh, it's so uh, okay. So this is something, and and you know, obviously at the end of the show we say you know we're just you know, given advice and whatnot, you know, you know, but I think with, with this specifically, we do have to say here, this is something where if you're going to put out that policy, definitely contact a lawyer, talk to them about it to, to create that policy. Cause there's a lot of, you know, <laughs> areas in there where you could see problems like you just said, where, you know, religious beliefs or something along those lines where, you know, you, you have to build that in. So definitely do you know, check with the lawyer, get something written up before you uh, make that move or pretty much any Abs stuff yeah, you're talking absolutely. about. Absolutely. Yeah. So that <laughs> should be, you know, yeah. one of the disclaimers is, you know, I'm doing recommendations and whatnot, but every situation is, is different. So I always highly recommend mm -hmm. to go see an attorney, especially if you're going to put these, these vaccine, mandatory vaccination policies in there to make sure that you have the best language, at least as it is, uh, currently stated because these are you know changing daily. So what you did last week or two weeks ago, 
for employees if, if it's some kind of policy that might be outdated right now. If you did a COVID prevention plan, you know, two months ago when it first came out, it's likely outdated. So I highly, highly recommend as, as a business owner, contact an attorney to make sure that you are doing everything as, uh, as, as compliant as possible, as legal as possible. Yeah, it's funny because, uh, you know, Russ earlier was kind of joking and said, yeah, we don't want to get political here with this question. And it's funny because we're in a time right now where it, there's a lot of political sensitivity. And, you know, we're very polarized as a country and, and you know, this is nothing new. And, and John, we, we did a show earlier on inclusion. And one of the uh, one of the topics that came up during the show was discrimination and in discrimination policies and how to avoid as a business owner, how do you avoid getting into any issues when it comes to any type of discrimination, whether it's race or what, whatever, sex. So as an attorney, like what type of advice do you provide your, your clients as far as, you know, obviously the training, but policies and, and to avoid any types of uh, potential problems? Yeah, that's that's the first thing. Do you have my first question to to a, a new business owner and employees is, do you have a handbook? And then how many employees do you have? Because the number of employees you have dictates what policies are required as that employer that they have to distribute to employees. So one of them, you know, you need an anti-harassment, anti-discrimination, anti-retaliation policy. And what that says is, you know, you're a business owner that can't discriminate or harass or retaliate against employee based on a protected class. And the protected class is kind of what you were just saying there, Greg, like I can't uh, discriminate based on age, disability, gender, sex, um, religion, all those ones we always hear about. So that's the first uh, line of defense is, hey, do you have the policy? You need to have that in there. And then you have to have the one or two hour training depending on if you're a supervisor or not. Um, so those things, uh, that's, you got to have a policy, have to have it. Um, and then, you know, the training afterwards, and it's not even just the official training that you do every two years, but as a, as a business owner, especially a small business owner, you, um, you want to remind everybody if you're here in a meeting, you hear like maybe an off color joke you might need to say, set that person aside say, Hey, you know, I know you're just joking, but you know, somebody could take offense of it. You know, remember, here's the handbook. Here's the policy. Take a look at this. Um, make sure you understand it because we don't want further issues with, you know, you or anybody else uh, moving forward. But, yeah, that, that's a big topic. And even even remote working right now, um, people are required to still show up at meetings. So they do it on Zoom and they feel comfortable being at their home office or their, their bedroom or whatever they're, they're doing a Zoom meeting. And they feel like they could say whatever they want because they're all, oh, I'm just on Zoom. I'm not like within five feet of you. Um, so that I've had lawsuits already uh, because of uh, oh, Zoom interactions. So just, just that's an important point. Just because you're at home, you're still, you know, expected to adhere to all the company policies and the protocols that you need to be as professional as possible. So we're talking about employees here. What about if you have like 1099, uh, you know, contractors that you're working with, you still need some sort of employee. Handbook? So with independent contractors, if they're, if they're accurately classified as such, and maybe you guys have been aware of what's assembly bill five um, that came down last, uh, last year, that uh, California basically said, you know, 95% of the workforce is going to be an employee 
um, unless you fit uh, this, I think, 42 or 43 different categories of when someone could be an independent contractor. So it's, it's very rare. It's very rare that, that there's contractors out there now. The example I always give is if I have, you know, an, uh, an attorney's office and I hire another attorney, one of those individuals could be an independent contractor if they fit the definition because they're a licensed attorney. Um, so those can be independent contractors. But if I have a janitor come in, that's somebody that does something completely outside of providing legal work. That person could be properly classified as an independent contractor. So if we're talking about handbooks and policies, those don't apply to independent contractors, except for the, the harassment, discrimination, anti-retaliation one. That does, because business owners should be cognizant of the fact that Hey, the mailman comes in every day or the mail delivery person comes in, in every day. Um, and if that person, you know, harasses the front, front desk worker, for example, the business owner could be liable for harassment, discrimination, sexual harassment, if they know or should have known that that was ongoing. So while you don't give policies and handbooks out to independent contractors, that's still um, you need to be aware of what those contractors are doing around your other employees, if we're strictly speaking about harassment and discrimination issues, but you're not going to have independent contractors typically, you know, track their time and get paid overtime. That, that's not the hallmarks of an independent contractor. That's more of an employee. You mentioned California there, uh, but now uh, with remote workers, you could have somebody in other states and other areas. The, absolutely, Russ. Like if, if you're, you know, you, you're typically working in California and then somebody wants to move to Texas or, or New York or, you know, and even internationally, right. you got to comply with those state laws as well. So, you know, Every state usually has their own overtime where they follow the FLSA, which is the, fed, you know, the federal equivalent of overtime. So you got to make sure that, you know, they're being paid properly with that overtime and any um, state rules. Uh, usually, and I say this, usually if you follow California, you're, you're probably going to be okay with other states. But we always highly recommend, you know, if you're going to allow somebody to work in Arizona, you know, talk about that with a business attorney or an employment law attorney in that state in Arizona, in that example, so that you can figure out that you're doing everything right. They might have different workers' compensation, um, different reporting issues, different um, local ordinances. Um, and I should have brought that up mm -hmm. earlier. Even if California, say you typically work in the city, uh, you know, Bay Area City in Walnut Creek, but now the person uh, wants to work at home and they work at home in Berkeley or Emeryville or, or Oakland. Those three cities have their own local ordinances, which has a higher minimum wage. They have a living living wage ordinance and they have different paid sick leave laws. So even though they, you know, you're accustomed to having the employee come into your home office, which might have been Walnut Creek or another Bay Area city, you know, we're having them work remote now might subject you, the business owner, to uh, different roles and um, higher uh, payments for wages and paid sick leave. You are blowing me away, John. I'm like, how, I know. Do, how would you even <laughs> keep up with all of this? Little, I mean, 
I was just thinking, okay, keeping up with all the different states' regulations, because obviously a lot of your employers are, you know, employees or customers and out of state. But now you're telling me every little city might have their own regulations. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if we're just talking California. Make sure if you're in San Francisco, Emeryville, Oakland, Berkeley, Los Angeles, San Diego, Santa Monica. <laughs> Holy moly. Yeah. Make sure, wow. make sure you're paying attention. Yeah. Cause that's the, that's the thing too. Some of these wage and hour laws, they're so black and white and, the legislature requires you, the the business owner, to know them. And if, if you blow up, you know, an overtime statute, it's it's, it's very difficult, very difficult to avoid a penalty on it. So, well, it's it's hopefully tough. the advice that we're providing our listeners are are going to keep them, you know, more protected and and more um, prepared to not get into a lawsuit. But if something were to happen, and one of, one of our listeners, a company, got sued. What would you recommend the first steps they take with an attorney? Okay, yeah, you, you get sued, you get what's called a complaint. And the first steps I would do um, would be to reach out to my insurance broker to see if I have any um, insurance policies that could potentially uh, cover the lawsuit. By cover, um, you know, maybe the, the insurance company, if we're talking about an employment issue, if it's a, a sexual harassment case. You might have uh, policies such as something called employment EPLI, Employment Practice Liability Insurance, where an insurance carrier will say, okay, after you pay your $15,000 or $25,000 in, in a self-insured retention and SIR, we will then pay out, you know, you'll pay the attorney's fees um, that, we, that we hire for you on your behalf. So that could be very helpful is if you have certain policies that could cover lawsuits. Um, if you have uh, some construction defect issues, maybe you have a commercial general liability policy that might cover some of those issues. So that'd be the first thing is, hey, contact your broker immediately. And it's called tender that complaint, tender that claim to your broker, your your insurance policies and see if you can get coverage. Um, otherwise, you, you know, you need to get out and get a private attorney. And, you know, that might be out of pocket for you. Yeah. Well, when you think about it, I mean, we started the the conversation you mentioned deciding between a corp and an LLC and, you know, some things protect you personally, some things don't like that's not something you want to guess on, you know, like that's something where, you know, you want somebody that knows what they're talking about to, to advise you right at the start of your business yeah, yeah. right there throughout all of these issues that we've been talking about. So I think getting somebody, finding somebody. So let me ask you this. How do you find somebody? What are the things that you should be looking for when trying to find a lawyer? Well, I mean, if you're, if you're just starting a business, getting, um, you know, finding an attorney that has a, a business law background, you know, maybe some overlap with employment law, that would certainly be helpful. Um, or if you're in, you know, a construction industry, maybe you want to get a construction attorney. Each in trying to find one, if you don't, you know, have a good referral, if you don't have a networking group that can help you with referrals, if you jumped on your your, your local uh, county bar association, there will be, uh, you know, oftentimes a list of different fields and attorneys that you can can contact that way. So that that would be a first step if you just had absolutely no idea. Otherwise, you can get on Google and anybody can type in, a, you know, a construction defect attorney. And you know, type in your city, and there's a right. way that can come up. Um, but 
Is it important to find somebody within the same kind of industry or that covers certain industries? Like if you're in construction, obviously construction or, you know, like I was in entertainment. So I tried to find somebody that was more focused on entertainment law. That's, is that kind of a general Yeah, Yeah. It, well? It's it's tough though. It's tough to get one attorney that can just do everything for your business. Um, you know, sometimes you have a, you know, real estate attorney, then you have a, you know, a premises liability attorney, you have a business attorney an employment law attorney and, maybe a construction attorney. I mean, if you can get an attorney that could uh, do three or four different areas so that you're not having to run to a different attorney for every issue that comes up, um, that's more, much more helpful because you, you want to try to have, you know, uh, when I say one-stop shopping for attorneys, but something similar to that. Um, and if they can't, you know, if they can't do everything, at least maybe you're comfortable with them that you can ask for them for a referral. And I'm sure those attorneys would know um, one of uh, an attorney that that uh, where they don't necessarily practice in that in that field, but they can give you a strong you know two or three different attorneys that are local. I mean, local is always helpful because you can meet with them you know face to face. But in this day and age with Zoom, you know, or or other um, visual requirements, right. they don't necessarily have to be you know in the same city or county. But certainly helpful because if you get in a lawsuit, um, it's it's better off you know you get one in their county and they know the local judges and that certainly has its benefits. Yeah, all, all I have to say is if you have all those attorneys that are specializing in all those different areas, don't invite them all to the same baseball game. That, <laughs> that, that could be the most expensive ball game you ever went to. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to get around too many attorneys anyways. Right? Yeah. Well, John, I, hopefully we can invite you back, if, if not uh, to a baseball game, to this show again, because there's so many other topics I wanted to get into, and, and oh, yeah. our time just flew by. I wanted to get into it. Like, drafting contracts and intellectual property and, and all of these different things. I know Russ had a bunch of other areas that he wanted to get into as well. They're all here. So hopefully, John, <laughs> uh, you can come back and, and join us again sometime down the road. Oh, I, I would love to do that. I had a great time here and, and fun talking to you guys. And I promise, I promise you, if you take me out to a baseball game, I will be forever grateful. I will not be charging you. And I might even buy you a beer or two. Ooh, oh, now we're talking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm down for a game anytime. Now we're talking. When, yeah, with beers involved, right? <laughs> John, do you want to pl plug your firm at all? Yeah, so again, my name is John Babiona, partner at Ferber Law. It's just, and if you're looking for us on the website, ferberlaw.com. We do business, employment, construction, uh, any business transaction, business entity formation from the beginning. Uh, we're your attorneys to um, to take you to, to what you need, and then as, and then also um, helping you through the process of getting what you need for for your employees if if that's uh, your line of business. So ferberlaw.com. All right, we'll put a link to that in the description. John, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Russ. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot, John. It was awesome. Such a quick 30 minutes. We got to bring him back for more. And we will do that on a future episode. But, you know, I know I gave this message earlier in the show, but come on. I got to tell you, this is involving legal advice. So definitely do seek a lawyer if you plan to take any of the advice that we give you on this episode. Everything that we tell you, you know what? It might work. It might not work. It is our advice. It's what we would do. We want your company to succeed. And we're happy to take your questions. You know what? Direct message us on Twitter. We've got a link in the description of the podcast. We would love to get closer to you and learn more about your business. We thank you for listening and thank you for subscribing.